0: Welcome back to the
1: Inspired Living with Autoimmunity show. I'm your host, Julie Michelson. And today we're joined by Sean Borup, founder of Show Me Healthy Living. And we're talking about food as fuel and the healing power of single ingredient whole foods. From what to avoid to what to include, Sean guides us on how to make the dietary changes that will allow us to all feel our best and share our gifts with the world. Sean, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so
2: much, Julie. I'm I'm just so pleased to be here.
1: I'm so excited for our conversation today. I didn't share with you that I grew up, my stepfather had a restaurant. It was really three restaurants in one. So I didn't realize that created a a passion for food back then. I, I can connect those dots now. Um, So I love just the passion, the wisdom, the expertise that you're bringing for the audience today. And we we, were chatting before I hit record. I will do my best to stay on task because I have so many areas I want to talk to you about. But first, I want to know, how did you get passionate about this? How did you get so involved in helping people eat healthy?
2: Yeah. I, I grew up a really sickly child. I had severe asthma and I just was, I I felt like I was sick all the time. And then when I started having my own children and then they had issues starting to show up, I, I remember, you know, going to a birthday party with my daughter and Because she had asthma so bad too, you know, every time she ate all of the things that everyone else was eating, then her symptoms would get worse and we would pay the price. So once I learned how to get refined sugar out, I remember making her, her very special cupcake and we would go to parties and, and I took it out of my bag when it was, you know, time to celebrate the birthday And the mom sitting next to me said, you know, what is that? And I said, this is a cupcake that my daughter can eat that doesn't make her sick. And, and so that, you know, that reminds me of when she was a few years before that, I was sitting in the rocking chair one night, about 3am, giving her another breathing treatment and just thinking to myself, I wonder if there's a better way. (laughs) And. And then that thought just kept reoccurring, and until it was, I know there's there's got to be a better way, and I'm I'm going to find it. I was so scared, you know, watching her little face and her lips turn blue, and because that took me back because I remember as a child not being able to breathe, right. and I was in the hospital, I was in an oxygen tent, and the there was a zipper on the side where my parents could put their hand in and hold my hand. And I remember looking up and to the side and all I could see was plastic and I just wanted to go home. And it was it was really, really hard as a child not understanding why I was sick. And my earliest recollection is when I was about 18 months old. That was back in the day when parents could not stay overnight with your child. And I remember standing in the crib screaming, mommy, mommy, and watching my mom walk away. And then the door closed. And so when people ask me why I do what I do, that's just a little background of the the things that, you know, the journey that I've had and and with my own kids. And the miracle of it all, Julie, is when we started focusing on the food, which was like a foreign concept to me because you know, my mom, bless her heart, she did the best she could. Yeah. But but she just did not know. I was just raised on the standard American diet. We had a small little garden. I grew up in Las Vegas, Nevada. So we had a small little garden in the backyard and, you know, we, we grew carrots and some lettuce, but I mean, it was very minimal. And when I was growing up, I mean, it was all about canned food. Frozen foods were, you know, big, like the, the TV dinners. Yeah. Coming, they were just popular, you know, all of that. And so we, as you know as a family and we just ate the standard american diet and so had had never considered that that food and then as a sick child i went on so many antibiotics sure. that my my entire immune system was so compromised all the time because it was a chronic you know round the it was a, a cycle right that you get on and you you feel like you're in this hamster wheel and you can't get out yeah and so it was so it was such a miracle to see that shift when we changed our food when we got you know things out of our diet that need that were making us sick and we put things in that our body really needed that like the right kind of fuel the way I teach kids is would you ever go to the gas station and fill up your tank? with gasoline, you know, and, you know, it, it's an, you know, obvious answer, but it helps them to understand that there is certain fuel for certain things. And when we don't use the right fuel, it's just like, I remember one time our, one of our boys put diesel in fuel in his car, right. And then he's oh, calling dad, hey, you know, the car won't start, you yeah. know, same kind of concept. Like when we understand as humans, what food is really truly fuel it's it's like a whole new world opens up and you know in working with you know with chronic health conditions why food is you know there's so many other parts of the puzzle but food is sure. such a big piece because we do it multiple times every single day
1: absolutely and i love the the food as fuel is one of the biggest mindset shifts that i help people you know step into because that that's not usually how they show up at my door. You know, food right. is soothing food, you know, food is everything, but fuel. And, and we, you know, we definitely, we need that fuel, which leads me to my, my, where I want to start. So often talk about hamster wheels, you know, what you, you mentioned standard American diet, which is a, just a, you know, full of high carbs, processed grains, sugars, bad fats, all of it. But I want to start with just this most to me, the simplest to understand, to just carry the the fuel theme is this sugar addicted piece of the standard American diet and, and that cycle of, you know, well, in theory, glucose is fuel. It's a fuel our body can use. And, and I'm not, it's, I'm not talking about, you know, when we produce glucose, cause we, we have a stress response or so I try not to do the whole, like all sugar is evil, but we get into this inflamed, addicted cycle. And as you know, when most people find me, they're exhausted. Fatigue is such a big part of the autoimmune experience no matter the diagnosis. So let's let's start with sugar and and why is that something we decided we want to talk about today.
2: Yeah, I you know, I started a Facebook group years ago called Sweet Life Without Sugar because I I knew from my own experience and what I had gone through with my own children And just talking with people and how much they struggle with it is that that is, and and personally, that was the first thing we did, you know, so when I started this journey, the first thing I did was I removed refined sugar, and refined flour from my kitchen. And it was just, we just no longer brought it in. If there was a treat to be, you know, eaten, it was out of the house. Because if it's in your kitchen, you're just, you know, you're going to go automatically to that. Like the brain's going to, the brain just fires up when it sees a package of Oreos. I don't know how else to explain it. You know, that's why, you know, the, all of these types of, whether it's sugar or high fructose corn syrup or corn syrup solids or, you know, All of these different types of sugar, which by the way, there's over 80 different names. And there's so many of them used today that people don't even know that are sugar, that it is, you know, that's maddening because the way that food is marketed today is they're very, very clever. There's a lot of trickery out there. And and if we have time, maybe we'll talk a little bit just about tips for navigating through a grocery store, because that is so overwhelming. I remember the first time going with my, you know, my new shift to my new lifestyle and reading labels for the first time. I mean, actual ingredients. Yes. The label on the back. Not Yeah. (laughs) Everything was, Oh, got to put that back. Oh, got to put that back. I mean, that's what I felt like. I, it, it was a high level of frustration, but, but just to make it simple, the first thing I did was I got rid of white sugar, and I got rid of white flour. Why white flour? People think of white flour as well. That's in breads and, you know, those type of things, unfortunately, and even wheat flour. And that this is another trickery that I teach your listeners. If you don't see the word whole in front of the word wheat, then you are eating white flour that has been colored with a caramel coloring, which, you know, it just makes insult to injury, right? That much worse. So I removed those things from my kitchen, which, you know, you use this flour, right, to make pancakes, you know, biscuits, whatever you you use it for multiple things. And so what unfortunately, what happens, white flour or just regular wheat flour, they have taken the bran and the germ out of that grain, out of that product, because those are the things that have a shorter shelf life. And of course, we know that for food manufacturers, it's all about the money and so they can't have their product going bad it has to be able to you know be transported transported hundreds of miles if not thousands and then sit on the shelf and then it has to still look good taste good smell good everything when you bring it home and you know to be in your cupboard so that's what's left in this flour is just the starch and if you are you know if you've if you used white glue in school grade school like i did the paste okay that is basically flour and water. Okay. And, and one that of kids is, used to eat it. <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. But that's what it is. It is a sticky glue. And so what happens is we have to remember that in our gut, 80% of about 80% of our immune system lives in our gut. And we have 30 to 35 feet. I mean, wrap your head around that. 30 to 35 feet of intestines that our food has to travel through. So if we're eating a lot of white flour or wheat flour, that is all this starch that it turns to glue. It is sticking in our intestines. It gets stuck. And that is a creating a, an environment for a swamp and in swamps, that's where infections live. Right. And so there is, it's just when you get educated and just understand just some basics of what is in some of the basic foods that are used, you know, just overused in today's traditional diet, then you kind of can understand why we're seeing so much illness and so much, you know, obesity and type two diabetes in young, young people, which, you know, I mean, the list just goes on and on you and I, we could talk about this forever. But anyways, that's the first thing that I did. And so how, how do you do that? I mean, this is it, that is hard. When you, That is what, you know, we do what we know. We, we have a comfort cycle, right, of the way yes. we do things in our life for breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks. And, you know, we know that as humans, we are creatures of habit. And so changing habits is, it is a definite shift. And if we don't see any benefit in changing that habit then we don't have the motivation to keep that habit going. And so that, you know, it, but it, it takes just a little bit of patience. And that's why I always tell people, don't beat yourself up. You just go forward. You do the best you can every yep. single day. And you try to do it's with all in all areas of our life. We try to be, you know, I just say 1% better. Like, yep. you know, just let me be 1% better today of a human being. In, in Atomic all habits. Yep. So so, anyways, what what did I do? How did I change that? So I started using local raw honey, and why local raw honey? Because when we eat honey that is local and raw, raw means it's been un unpro- it's been unheated. Because typical honey, like in the bare little plastic bottle, yeah. that's really thin and in this really light color, unfortunately, that honey's been heated, and so all of the enzymes that are naturally in that honey have been destroyed. And why are those enzymes important? Well, it's those enzymes that help to, in the digestion of every cooked food that we eat. So just think about what you ate yesterday. How much cooked food did you eat? Did you eat any raw food at all? The average American doesn't eat any vegetables and the vegetables that they eat are potatoes and ketchup. So, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty sad, but because our bodies need these enzymes, they are very, very important in our body production of amino acids. Again, we create, we, we make amino acids, those are the building blocks of protein. And, you know, there's just so many so many reasons why we need to eat live food, right? One ingredient food. And so I switched to local raw honey. And also the because it's local, you can get a lot of benefit to seasonal allergies, pollens that come, you know, your body, in other words, gets the nourishment that it needs so that you don't go into, you know, have these overreactions, you know, as the seasons change. So eating local honey and, you know, I teach the kids at the YMCA and I will hold up this container of honey and, and ask them to read where this honey is from. And they will say, Montana. And I said, is Montana close to where we live? And they'll all kind of start laughing. Yes, we live in Montana. But I want them to appreciate, you know, the if if everyone was sourcing their food, you know, close to where they live, we would be so much healthier, we would feel so much better on a day to day basis. But so going back to sugar, so local raw honey was a sweetener that I used, but I also started noticing that there were foods like bananas, butternut squash, beets and carrots, like all these real foods that are naturally sweet. And do you know that you can make a wonderful brownie with butternut squash as, you know, as most of the sweetener? I mean, there, anyways, I, I just started a little, you know, again, slowly at a time we got rid of our pancake mix, right. That was already done for us. And we, I started using oats and I would put the oats in the blender and make a, a coarse flour. And we started making oatmeal pancakes. And instead of buying Mrs. Butterworth's and Aunt Jemima maple syrup that we had grown up on, which by the way, maple
1: syrup. Yeah. 2%
2: maple syrup. 2%, yeah, 2% yeah. Maple syrup. I in a
1: log cabin family. And boy, was I sad when I found out that that wasn't maple syrup either. I know. Right.
2: <laughs> and so the other 98%, just for listeners, that, that is made up of two things, sugar and chemicals. That's what's yep. in there. And corn and syrup,
1: we're even worse. I would say even worse, corn syrup and chemicals. Is Exactly.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I'm not sure when high fructose corn syrup or cor- corn syrup first was was the craze. And then they figured out that high fructose corn syrup was, Hey, a whole bunch mother. sweeter and cheaper yeah. and faster to make than regular corn syrup. So they switched to that, which, you know, we have seen a rise in children's ability to pay attention there, you know, just all of this stuff shows up irritability, illness,
1: but, autoimmunity, all yeah. of it, it all, it all connects. Um, and so my, my and listeners, I've They're probably laughing right now because they're like, you know, is she telling us to eat whole wheat flour? Julie's always saying gluten-free, gluten-free, gluten-free if you have autoimmunity. Different thing. Right now we're focusing on real food and why the whole food is so much different than, than the processed parts. And I want that butternut squash brownie recipe from yeah. you because for the yeah. first I, we have, I can't even believe the abundance of butternut squash we have growing right now. Oh, um, we I've never, we never planted it before and it has literally taken over my yard and I'm so excited.
2: So. And here's another thing I do that I love to do with butternut squash is I actually make a sauce, a cheese sauce, for, you know, either, and, and most of the time going back to, you know, gluten-free most of the time I just naturally eat that way. And, and, but I make a cheese sauce that is the main ingredient is butternut squash and to go on either, you know, zucchini noodles or some brown rice noodles. And it tastes amazing. It's an amazing, like macaroni and cheese sauce, if you will. Wow, I'm glad you brought up the, you know, the, the wheat and the, you know, not eating gluten Um, because I just want to touch on that for a minute, just to give everyone a little bit of education. So once upon a time, the way that wheat was grown was they would hand cut it, right? And so when, when they hand cut it, then it would lay on the field overnight and it would begin to sprout. And before it was taken in and processed. And so then you so there was already a lot of nutrients already in that food and and you know this is a whole other topic that I'd be grateful to come back and talk about was what what is the point of sprouting and soaking and all of these things that used to happen back in the day. And all of a sudden today we have all of these stomach issues. And so it's like, I can't have beans. I can't have gluten. You know, the list goes on and on. And a lot of it is in how we prepare that food. First it is, it goes back to the soil and what's happened to our soil, how food is grown, but then it's that whole process thing. So just focusing on wheat here, today's wheat is, they have added in more gluten on purpose yep. for years. And the reason why is because it makes it easier to use. It in makes, this in this country. In they've this done country. It,
1: They've done it in this in the United States. Um, yes. And that's the important. How do we know? Because I people travel elsewhere that have quote unquote gluten sensitivity and even
2: celiac. And they can enjoy wheat. And they can enjoy wheat. Exactly. So I, you know, I myself have experienced some, you know, bloating and just from just really uncomfortable stomach things when I have just eat regular wheat. And so I stopped it completely, you know, just to stop the bleeding. Right. And, (laughs) and then as I, and then I experimented, I got some einkorn wheat. Einkorn is an ancient wheat that was grown, you know, like wheat should be grown. And, but it is, you have, to, you have to look for it today. It's not going to be at your grocery store, on your grocery store shelf. But einkorn wheat is is the type of wheat that always used to be around. In other words, it has lower gluten. It has lower starch. It's easier to digest, all of these things. And then I soak and sprout it, and I make sourdough. And I, I am happy oh. to say that I... <laughs> I am able to consume that type of wheat, But yeah, as far as any other wheat out there, I have a picture of a hamburger bun that came from a fast food restaurant. And this man put it in one of those cases that, you know, you put professionally yep. signed basketballs or footballs to protect mm-hmm. it. He put this hamburger bun in this case and he left it there. And he looked at it every year. Well, guess what? Nine years later, it still looked exactly the same as it did the day he bought it. And that, my friends, is not real food that right. and and that is the type of wheat that is so chemically with with you know not real food and so yeah. that's why that bun can look that way that is why we have so much gluten sensitivity today and you know just issues with it because they have gone and hybridized all of our wheat and changed it to the point and then put it in everything, right? It's like in so many things that we eat on a daily basis. And so we have our our bodies just get to a point where they're like, hey, we we can't filter all this, all the toxins in this food out because we're constantly taking it in. And so I'm glad you brought that up because yeah, so many people, especially if you have an autoimmunity, that's one of the first things you're going to stop eating to feel better. Well, but- and to heal, even, even
1: if you don't notice, I mean, that's that for me, the, I joke, you know, every diet should be individual, but the, the one thing to avoid, if you have autoimmunity would, would be gluten because because of the impact it has on the gut and and leaky gut. I want to highlight two things. One thing that you said when talking about this experiment, if you will, with the hamburger bun said, which is so important for listeners to hear like a hundred times, the body doesn't recognize it as food. And it's not just gluten. It's all of this processed food that we're talking about is we're creating an immune response when we're eating things that aren't recognized as food. It's it's a foreign intruder and your body is supposed to fight those. And yeah. so this is why you mentioned eating live food, you mentioned eating single ingredient food, which is what I would call real food because the a we you know it's loaded with nutrients and enzymes and things that we need and can use and b it's not sending off alarm bells all the time. And I can't, I want to, I don't want to dive too deep because there's so many other things I want to talk about. But since we opened the, the wheat and gluten door, you know, and you, you alluded to it as well, the, the GMO issue with the wheat that we get in this country is huge. And I don't know the answer. Is it really because we have higher gluten content in our wheat or is it because it's loaded with glyphosate? And, and is, you know, we're adding in just exorbitant amounts of other toxins, which again, is illegal in other countries. And so it's hard to, you can't separate it out at this point. No, you
2: can't, Julie. And and I really think it's what you just said. Is it one or the other or or both? Both. And I really believe it's both. I think it is you know, we already they were already changing our wheat. And then now all of a sudden, they're dumping glyphosate, you know, the reason why they use glyphosate so much is it dries the grain out faster, so they can get their product to the shelf faster, because it's all about the money. Again, they care nothing about our health. And so glyphosate is again, when bugs consume that literally it splits their stomach open and if that tells you what it does to them what is it doing to the human microbiome yeah. and you know you and i were talking about this earlier about we have to create the environment where our immune system can str- be strengthened and and then after we create that environment like you said from removing these things that are causing us symptoms like for you know gluten for instance you know we remove these foods First, And then we're we're trying to create this environment where we can strengthen our immune system. And then we have to replenish uh, constantly this to keep this environment in, you know, where it is so that when the bad guys, you know, invade us, I always teach people, we have two teams that live in our gut, we got the bad guys and the good guys, and which Which team are you feeding? You know, you can just go down all, if you're eating a lot of acidic food, you know, if you go from coffee to gluten-free donut to, you know, if you're eating gluten-free processed food, you're probably still experiencing a lot of symptoms Sure. and it's because they figured out a way to make it gluten-free, but to still fill it full of additives and fillers and and preservatives that your body, again, going back to that, it can't recognize it as food. So your body's like, what am I going to do with this? It will store it for a period of time until then something happens where it's going to try to push it out. And then that's when symptoms show up. And, you know, we have to remember we have five major organs of elimination and, you know, inflammation is constantly, being built in our system when our organs of elimination are not working, you know, our colon. So that's the first thing. So when people come to me and they've got skin eruptions and they wonder what they're eating is making this rash or this bump or whatever. Then I go back and I, my first question is, are you pooping? You know, and right. they just kind of look at me like, you know, are you pooping every day? And because I've had some people say, well, my doctor said I, that pooping three or four times a week is just my normal. And I just want to like fall over because that is not normal. That is common today. And we are even, you know, giving children laxatives and medication to make them poop. That is just wrong because again, we've taken out so much of the fiber processed food is taking out the fiber because like I was explaining before, the in the brand of any grain or the skin, like we, we dig into a potato and we don't eat the skin or the apple, you know, we just buy apple juice or applesauce. And the right. problem is, is the reason, and then, then we wonder why our blood sugar still spikes, right? For example, right? it's Because the at least half of the fiber is in, in the skin or right underneath the skin of all fruits and vegetables. And so where we're possible, we need to consume that skin so that we can get the, the fiber that we need. But we, as a, as Americans, we are getting half or less of the recommended amount of fiber, which and is I less. believe that that is one of the things that drives chronic illness leads to autoimmunity is that we have, our bodies again, cannot recognize all of this foreign food. And so we're not, our, our, our organs of elimination are not working. So just to go back and finish that your colon is your first one. Like you should be eliminating about two and a half pounds of toxins every day through your colon. And next would be your skin. Your skin is your largest organ of your body. And so your skin is also, that's why it's good to, you know, that's why exercise is so important so that we can sweat And, you know, it's not just about getting your heart rate up. Like you need to be sweating too. Even if it's for a short period of time, Your in your skin, if your skin's working right. and, And when you, when people tell me they have a rash, I'm like, that's terrific. Because that means that your, your other organs of elimination are working well enough to kick it out. That just means because after your skin comes, your lungs, your lungs are next, then your kidneys, and then your lymphatic system. So, Julie, so many people that come to you, their problems are all the way in your lymphatic system. So that tells you their kidneys, their lungs, their skin and their colon are overworked and they are not keeping up. And so that's one of the things that is very helpful for us to understand about how our body works. Like when symptoms do show up, like we need to take care of these organs that because they're all one big family, they all work together. So when one is affected, it's eventually going to affect another and then another. And that's why what Julie and I do, we, you know, it's not about it is about treating symptoms, but it's really not the the end goal is to create the right environment where the body can heal itself and do what it's supposed to do. And in order to do that, we have to look at what we're putting on our fork, you know, every single day, it really does matter. And I don't mean you have to be perfect at it. I'm not, I don't want to say that I'm just saying it does matter. And so it's worth putting the right kind of fuel in our body, because when we do, then we sleep better, we poop better, we feel better. And then we get to, everyone has a gift to share. That's why I tell people you have so much to give to make this world a better place. And when you don't, when you feel like crap, you, you can't give your best. It's just, it just doesn't happen.
1: So well said. And that's, that is why we do what we do so that everybody can share their gifts. And, and we know, you know, nothing happens in a void. So when you were sharing the, your journey about, you know, taking sugar out, you were like, Oh, but I can use local raw honey. And not only am I getting this you know the little, some of the sweet that I want but you' you found a way to do it that's full of enzymes, helping boost your immune system all, all the good thing and I, I want to we don't have enough time to dive deep but I want to touch on we're talking about removing and and, and sometimes what we remove what someone needs to remove at least temporarily is a healthy nutrient dense vegetable it just depends on, how far down the road they are, how many sensitivities they have, which is, that's a, that's a whole nother topic, but most with autoimmunity, by the time they know they have autoimmunity, they, they have, we know they already have leaky gut. And therefore, if they've tried to move away from the standard American diet and are including a lot of really good things, they may have some sensitivities to those really good things, but not just what we're keeping out, you mentioned, because you mentioned that we've got, we all have the good bugs, the bad bugs, and that's okay. That's good. We don't, you're never going to get rid of all the bad bugs, but just by creating this void doesn't mean that you're going to get that balance of good bugs that you want. And I know that the fermentation is a specialty of yours, and I I want you to, to, if there's a way to kind of briefly introduce listeners to fermentation and and why this is so important for our gut health and our overall health.
2: Yeah, I would love to. So my, how I got into fermentation is that my own gut crashed and it was as a result of some emotional trauma. And so, you know, I don't want to dismiss like, things that are going on in our life. Like we all have stress. If you're breathing, you have stress Yes. and we have good stress. We have bad stress. And we may not realize that emotional trauma can physically like really tear our health down. And that's what happened to me. And so like digestion just stopped, like everything stopped working in me. I couldn't even hold down water. And I got real, this was several years ago. And so of course that, you know, being the foodie that I was, I was like, okay, I've got to, I've got to figure out, figure this out and fix it. And so I discovered fermented foods and I slowly rebuilt back my, my gut, you know, my, the, my gut bacteria was just not, not balanced. And again, if you are experiencing sugar cravings, sugar cravings is a number one sign that you have an unbalanced environment in your gut. And Hippocrates said all disease begins in the gut. And so I add to his statement that that means all healing begins in the gut. And so fermented foods, the magic of them is that this good team of guys that we have, you know, I, you know, you picture the, the sword and the breastplate, right. And the shield and everything that is our good guys. And they are, there to fight off the bad guys. And if, like Julie said, we do need a balance, but we just need more good guys and less bad guys. And unfortunately the standard American diet creates exactly the opposite. More bad guys, you know, and fewer good guys. So what fermented foods do is they basically give our good guys the fuel that they need to stay, to replenish because they need replenishing like every 24 hours. And so, and you'll hear the word prebiotics, you know, that has kind of showed up in the past few years and the foods like onions and garlic and apples, those all contain prebiotics and the prebiotics, Are food for the, you know, the probiotics, and they all work together to so that these good guys are strong enough so that when viruses do come by, you know, we're all going to catch viruses. It's just a fact of life. We are going to, our our bodies have the need to cleanse and to, you know, flush out toxins. And so, but when that happens, what's great about having a, a good environment that we've been talking about in our gut And fermented foods is one of those things that if we're eating them on a daily basis, we're constantly replenishing what these good guys need to create, to keep this environment strong and stable. Because again, we're all exposed, whether it's through the air or the water and our food or, you know, just the environment. And we're all exposed to toxins and the body is a miracle machine. It knows exactly what to do with those and how to get them out. But when it is, when so many of our major organs are overloaded and they can't keep up that toxic of that toxic load, that's when symptoms manifest and we don't feel good. Whether it's a headache or it's something really, really severe in, you know, with, with auto, you know, autoimmune disease where it affects our daily life. And so things like yogurt and kefir and sauerkraut, other fermented veggies, what's so great about sauerkraut is I will make like a half a gallon jars at a time and I'll make several of them and they will stay for, um, I would say almost a year in my refrigerator. So I can make a whole bunch at a time and then it's not that it's done for months, right? And it's just, you just need a forkful. You know, I I know a lot of people that pay a lot of money every month to take a probiotic, but a forkful of my sauerkraut, which is literally pennies a day, talk about eating on a budget. It has more probiotics in that forkful than this $70, $80 a month probiotic pill. And, but there's little things, you know, that we need to understand about, you know, fermentation. And if you overeat it, then it will cause symptoms as well. So it's all about, you know, just, your body your your gut just needs a little bit and but you know making homemade yogurt the first time i made homemade yogurt julie i was kicking myself because it was so simple and it took so it took so little hands on time because then the yogurt did you know ferment that's just so beautiful about fermentation is you do a little bit of prep anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour of of putting this together and then it does all of the work after that and you just wait and the same thing with yogurt and kefir, and uh, but I was kicking myself because it was such a simple process, and I I, I was thinking. Why didn't I start doing this twenty years ago? It's intimidating, and and it is intimidating because
1: I'm me, and I can't help it. I'll throw out there, you know, you can use alter, you can make coconut yogurt. Yes, you can, and and I doesn't have to be dairy based.
2: (laughs) Yep, you can make you can make non dairy yogurt, you can make non dairy cheese. I once, and that's why I started my company, Julie, which is Show Me Healthy Living, because you can go on and watch a, a video on how to do something, but chances of you actually carrying that through and taking action are not very probable because we all have good intentions and then life takes over. So I'll just tell you one of my favorite experiences was with a mom and her eight-year-old daughter in Northern Ireland. They were in their kitchen. I was in mine in Montana. And this little girl could not have eggs and she could not have dairy. And of course, she could not have gluten. Well, together, the three of us made a cauliflower pizza crust with non-dairy cheese and a flax egg. And to see this little girl's face light up was just, it was just magical. Aww. It was a magical moment. And that's why you do this, right? And that's why I do this. Yep. And this little girl was able to have pizza. And so there, there are ways around every food sensitivity to still eat real food. Absolutely. And so you can go from the s- sad diet, which is what I call the standard American yep. diet to the real American diet, which is the rad diet. And that is, that's possible for everyone, no matter what illness, chronic illness you are doing, you know, dealing with or food sensitivities. And that is the beauty about, you know, eating real food is that we can experience that. Like we can feel that rush of energy from real food, rather than that drop of energy that happens when we eat something that's processed and then our Uh blood sugar Caves after you know a, a short yeah. amount of time, and that's a great point
1: for something listeners can can pay attention to. You know, if you eat lunch and then you want a nap, yeah, the, like there's a clue. If you My eat mom. anything, fill in the b- blank. I want to circle back to the the yummy fermented foods for people who aren't ready to dive in and make yogurt or sauerkraut. Do you have some tips for listeners if they're like, oh, you know, that, that's not even part of my diet. I'm not ready to jump in and make it. What can they be looking for to make sure that they're actually getting, you know, the probiotics and the, and the things that we're talking about?
2: Great question. So we'll start with sauerkraut. So there's a lot of, you know, I remember sauerkraut when I was growing up and it was just in the little plastic bag, you know, in the store and it just looked gross to me. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even, you know, look at it. Number one is when what's cabbage and, you know, which is the base of your sauerkraut. When that is put in plastic, whether it's a plastic jar, plastic bag, that actually damages a lot of the probiotics, if not all of them. So you want to look for sauerkraut that is in a glass jar. So that's number one tip. And then you want to look for the word raw, because if it's not raw and unpasteurized, then the pasteurization process will also damage, if not kill off all of the, the good probiotic bacteria, which again, you know, we have over a hundred trillion, you know, cells, you know, but we have more bacteria than we do cells. And so this back, that's why this bacteria is so important in our gut. And that's what fermented foods, any kind of probiotic food is what I call them. Anything that's cultured, that is going to go in and help balance out all of the other foods that we eat that cause so much acidity. And it's, it's the acidity in our foods. A lot of it that will, that's what feeds these bad guys and makes them stronger. And so, you know, you want to look for it's in a glass jar, it's raw and unpasteurized that that's when, and then the, my, my third thing was is it it would be to try to find it at your local farmer's market where it's made right where you live And like, I even have stores here in Montana that I can go to that are an hour away. So it's an hour drive, but they have local raw unpasteurized sauerkraut and kimchi. Kimchi is like a spicy version of, of sauerkraut. a Korean sauerkraut. Right. And you just have to be watch out because sometimes they do add sugar, but here's the thing in fermentation, they eat all the sugars out, which is another thing that happens in kefir. So you may be, if you're lactose intolerant or you can't you know, eat dairy, kefir may actually work really well with you. Again, it's something that is very individual. We are all individual. And so sure. you have to try that food out on yourself. But that is the beauty of, of culturing food, of fermentation is it goes in and it eats all the sugars and it eats all the starches. And remember, starches turn to sugar right? You know, that's why white flour, or any kind of flour, it's so important to get out of your kitchen, because it turns to sugar in a very short amount of time and goes into the bloodstream, which so it gives you the same type of of reaction as your body does to sugar. And so that's the beauty. So for ferment for fermented foods, those are my suggestion. As far as cultured foods like yogurt and kefir, yes, they do make some that are dairy free, and the only thing you have to really watch out is what are they, uh, what additives or fillers are yeah. going in there today? Gums, all kinds of xanthan gum, guar gums. The list goes on. Worse and even worse, carrageenan. Like, carrageenan, yeah, yeah is a horrible, horrible, going. yeah, hormone disruptor. It disrupts all of your good guys. It you know creates an unbalanced gut. So you really have to look at those and remember on your ingredient list. What is listed at the very top, that is the most that's in that food. And then it goes down from there. So if you're seeing something at the very end, although that's still not a good ingredient, at least it's not towards the top. So that is just another tip for reading ingredient labels. But for me, if I see it on there at all, carrageenan or any of these fillers, it's just going back on the shelf. You guys, I make homemade almond milk in eight minutes, eight minutes. And that includes cleaning my blender. Okay. So eight (laughs) minutes. Hands on time. It It is like I just tell myself you have no excuse for buying almond milk at the store that they have to put additives in, or, you know, whether it's almond milk or oat milk or any of these milks, these plant based milks that are popular today. I'm finding that a lot of people are still having. Symptoms show up. And it's because, sure. again, like we've talked about earlier, Julie, your body cannot recognize it if it's not a real food. And so it says, What are we going to do with this? And so it will store it for a time until there gets too much. And then that is when chronic illness and disease are going to show up because these symptoms show up. And then we're like wondering why we're sick. And it's because the body can only handle so much over time before it kind of, it, you know, says enough is enough. And you know, that red light goes on, yeah. that alarm <laughs> goes on, right?
1: Critical yeah. level. Exactly. So as it.
2: far as if you do eat dairy, you want to look for yogurt that is made from a hundred percent grass fed cows. Absolutely. You can also buy sheep yogurt. You can buy goat milk yogurt, but again, cows, and this is a whole nother conversation, but I'll just yeah. lightly say cows are raised today in an environment where they are given hormones to make them produce more milk and faster. Again, it's all about the money these poor cows get sick, they get infections in their udders. And so they pump them through antibiotics. One of the things that has really been hitting me hard lately is that we take antibiotics when we are really sick and our body needs help. But 80% of all antibiotics today that are consumed are given to livestock. And so if you've got to re-listen to that, okay? 80% are given to livestock. That means all the meat and the dairy that we consume, much of that is full of antibiotics. And we are taking all of that into our own bodies. And then again, our bodies have to figure out what to do with it. And so you can kind of get a picture of why we are so talk, we live in such a toxic ridden society, everything we're trying to navigate. So you want to make sure if you do, if you're buying dairy yogurt or kefir, you always want to buy plain, never buy sweetened because yep. they I don't Put care if it's only
1: stuff in it. Put
2: your right. I don't care if it is honey or even yeah. if it's honey, it yeah. is still way, way too much sugar. And that's another thing is you know, if you are vegan, of course, you're not going to eat honey. You want to make sure you substitute a hundred percent maple syrup. It's still sugar, you guys. And so we want to minimize that. And yeah. maybe you sweet, you can sweeten with real dates. There are, anyways, there are other ways to do it but you've got to look for you've got to read on these containers how this food is processed like what how do they care for their cows and that's another thing of if you have access to a local dairy go to the dairy talk to them you know like yes. still how people, the cows okay, are living <laughs>
1: yeah get Absolutely. to know them, like your local where where i get meat that like i know i know where it grew up like i we exactly. we check it out and and that's the whole You know, you're, you're eating whatever they ate as well. We are way over time and I don't, I don't want to keep you longer than promised, but I need to, as this is a trick question, because you've already given listeners so much to take action on, but if you had to pick either from what you've already said or something else, if they do one thing, what's one step listeners can do starting today?
2: Starting today, I would, you know, take this one step is so important. And I know that some of you live with people that are really adamant about the things that they want to eat attached to their food. Most of you are, are the head of the household, the mom or the dad that is listening to this, this conversation, get refined sugar and refined flour out of your house and get more real one ingredient foods, bring in more fruits and vegetables, have them have a, a bowl of fruit sitting on The counter, because again, yes, there's sugar in that banana and that apple, but this is sugar that your body knows exactly what to do with. And it will actually give you like we were talking at the very beginning, the body needs fuel, we need glucose, we need fuel for energy, let's get it from the right food. So if, if that means taking it to your local food pantry, if it's something that's unopened, do that, if it means pouring your taking your five pound of white sugar and powdered sugar and putting it in the trash. Do that, whatever it takes, but just make a decision today that in your kitchen, you are going to use real food sugar and get away from this sugar that is going to not only destroy your gut bacteria, but it's going to exacerbate any chronic condition in your body. And so this is how you can. And, and again, remember the generations coming after us they're learning from us. They're watching what we do. So if we want them to be healthier, if we want them to have a, it really doesn't matter your uh, length of your lifespan. It is, it is how well you're living in the time that you're here. Let's give that next generation the best gift we can give them by teaching them how to eat real food and why that matters. I
1: love that. Amazing. And I knew you couldn't just do one thing. I love your one thing had like five things in it.
2: <laughs> it does it's, Where, it's, it's all related. But thank you for your patience. And I, again, Julie and I said, you know, we could talk about this for hours all day. I know,
1: I know, and and so you know, guys, just pick any any of the amazing info that that Sean gave you and make that one start with one thing. Like make that one up level that will lead you to a whole food, real food, single ingredient diet. So for those that listen on the go and aren't going to check the show notes, where's the best place to find you?
2: So my website is showmehealthyliving.com. And I will tell you we're in the middle of a rebranding and revamping. So stay tuned for that, but you can go on my website at showmehealthyliving.com and just get on my email list so that you can receive my emails. I send out recipes and health tips on a, on a regular basis. And then also my Facebook group is sweet life without sugar. I am live every Thursday night at 6 PM mountain time, and I show you how I clean out my fridge and have zero waste and great taste because the average American family throws away about $2,000 worth of food every year. That is a nice vacation. And so I show you how to do that. And just to to inspire you, we share things in the group about eating real food and what difference it makes in how we feel every day.
1: Amazing.
2: Sean, thank you so much for giving listeners
1: so many actionable items and just a a way to totally reset their health.
2: You're sure welcome, Julie. Thanks again. It was was such an honor to be here with you today.
1: For everyone listening, remember you can get the show notes and transcripts by visiting inspiredliving.show. I hope you had a great time and enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I will see you next week.
0: Thank you for listening to Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity. Did you enjoy this episode? please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to get a transcript of this and every other episode, just head on over to inspiredliving.show or click on the link in this episode's description. There, you can also find everything we discussed in this episode, including links and information about our guest. You can even send in your questions to be answered by Julie in a future episode. That's inspiredliving.show. Until next time... This is Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, helping you take your power back.